This is the Action Network Podcast. <laughs> wait it, wait it, man. Raise your hand if you saw this one coming. I guess this guy can run all night. He will run for a What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the 2022 French Open betting preview. I'm Stucky, and joining me today is an old friend, Daniel Scotty at Scotty Pippen on Twitter. You tennis bettors might know of him. Scotty, how's it? How's it going, brother? It's good, man. I'm excited for the uh, the fortnight of tennis, among other things. Yeah, it should be exciting. Uh, Scotty, funny story. We actually met we met through Twitter and from tennis betting back in the day, and we actually first met at the U.S. Open. Was it the U.S. Open or the A-10 tournament? I think the first time we actually met in person was the U.S. Open. Fonya Nadal. U.S. Open. actually have evening session passes right here. Uh, we had, we're in the club suite with money on Fonini against Nadal. And we made the, we made the broadcast a couple of times on ESPN. We were told we were up in the suite. We were the only ones in the stadium cheering for Fonini who the came first, back. The first time Nadal ever lost from being up two sets. Yeah. He was up two sets to love. Fonini came back and won. It was thrilling. I think Nadal has since lost one other time being up two sets to love. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he has two losses now. We saw one of them live. So that's when we met. And then up there on a weekend, Scotty's a lot younger than me. He had a job in, in New York City that he didn't really love. And we went out. And the next morning, I think we went out drinking. And then we ended up having to sleep in my car. Um, I was going to leave that night, but we stayed up and cut a couple hours of sleep in my car. And then I was bringing him home in the morning so I could drive back down to Philly. And this is when we were first starting Action Network. And I was like, you're not going to your job this morning. We're um, we're going to find a spot for you. And he's taken over a role in the product side and he's done a hell of a job, but we've worked together ever since. I still go up and visit him and we just sit and bet on tennis. Um, so we're excited to talk French Open today. Let's just dive right in. We're going to spend most of our time on the men's and then we're going to get to the women's. I'm so excited about the men's field because usually it's like, all right, wake me up when it's Nadal versus Djokovic in the final. And Nadal has obviously dominated this tournament over the years, the king of clay. But then the draws come out today. And and it felt a little more wide open going into the pre-draw because you had fitness questions that Nadal was dealing with. How fit is he going to be? You know, Alcaraz was actually the favorite very recently. And if you haven't seen the 19-year-old play, he's on a hell of a run and it just felt a little more wide open than usual French Opens that we've seen in the past. Then the draws come out, and Djokovic and Nadal are in the same quarter. And not only that, you have it's just littered with other names who have won the French Open. The top half is loaded. And then the bottom half, you have quarters that look a little more wide open on paper, but that doesn't necessarily mean it'll plateau. But it's a, one of the most fascinating draws uh, on the men's side that I can remember, especially at the French Open. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, anytime you get uh Nadal Novak before a semifinal you know it's a pretty it's a pretty good uh tournament coming up yeah Djokovic Nadal quarter that's the dream that's the French what the French Open really wants but if you look at we look at the overall odds and we'll mention if we see any first round matchups but obviously that we want to mention but obviously follow us on the Action Network app but if you look at just the overall odds Djokovic is the favorite at around two to one I believe I saw like plus 160 pre-draw. Now he's like plus 190. That's because obviously the quarter, he's in Nadal's quarter and his path is a little more difficult. Alcaraz around like plus 240 and a on plus 350. Tsitsipas, five to one. Zverev, 15 to one. Rude, 20 to one. Team, I mean, you have to mention him just because he's been to a final here, but he's, I think he's lost six in a row. He's 30 to one. Medvedev, 30 to one. Sinner around 30 to one. Rublev around 30 to one. That's those are probably 10 worth mentioning is like someone you can see. Maybe I don't see a couple of them potentially winning it, but those are like the 10. I, I wouldn't go down to like Schwartzman, F.A., Shapovalov, right? Would you you would start with those 10 as the basis of who could potentially win it? Yeah, but it's that's a complicated question because I, I honestly I do not see a chance for anyone. I mean, I'll come around on Sitsipas as the potential fourth, but outside of Novak, Carlitos, and Rafa. I really don't see 
I'll give Sitsi pass. You can add him to that bunch. I, but from whatever that is, five to 10, I honestly feel like they have as much of a chance as some of those guys that you even named, a Schwartzman, to make a semi even. Like, I'm not that confident in Sasha right now on clay. I'm not that confident in a lot of those guys in that kind of five to 10 range. So outside of the the, the, the big three and three and a half, three, three, four, it's anyone's tournament. Yeah, but what makes it interesting is the three that you probably have the most confidence in, Djokovic, Alcaraz, and Nadal, they're, all, they're in the same half. So, you know, only two of them could actually get to the semis. Um, and that could open it up for someone else. And when you're talking futures, I mean, you might want to look into maybe betting, and we'll talk about this, uh, yeah. another guy to win a quarter. But yeah. if you do take a future, you know, on someone like, say, Rublev, 35 to 1, right? I, I would agree. You and I, I think, I think semis is probably his ceiling here. But you always can then have a potential to hedge depending on what happens yeah. and you root for chaos elsewhere. But that's what makes this draw the most interesting. You know, you know who I'll come back to? It, it really is Mimir Ketsmanovic, who has had like an incredible clay season and into the hard season and then back onto the clay too. He's just had an, really an amazing 2022 as a whole. He's in that, that Medvedev quarter, which is the obvious wide open one. Uh, you look at the names in there. He's in the bottom half of that quarter with Medvedev. If it comes to a match between them and whatever it would be, the third round, if Medvedev gets that far, I have all the confidence in me and me are getting through that. Let me stop you there because we're going to get to we're going to get to that quarter and we're going to go through quarter by quarter. I do want to mention, like I said, Djokovic is the defending champ, top half stronger than the bottom half. There's no Federer here. There's no Monfi. And there's no Feli Lopez. He was going to be Boston qualified. How did he not give him a wild card? He was going for his 80th straight main draw appearance. 80th. 20 years. All right, let's just dive into the first quarter, which is, you know, Djokovic is the top seed. Then, you know, in his half of that quarter, you have Dimitrov, who, if you want to pick someone else that just got shafted by the draw, I mean, you look, you're Dimitrov, and you're like, all right, I got Schwartzman, Nadal, Djokovic, and, and Dimitrov's been playing decent tennis. I mean, his last three losses have all come against Tsitsipas, who's great on clay, but... I mean, just, first of all, this quarter is insane. Here's since 2005. Here's who won the French Open: Nadal 13 times, Djokovic twice, Vavrinka, who's also in this quarter once, and then Fed, who's not here once. So all 16 of the last 17 French Open champions uh, championships are in this quarter, and Fed, who's who's not here. Anyone who's ever won it is in this quarter, except Fed, who's not in the field. Crazy. Djokovic has made 15 straight fourth round at slams. The last time he lost before the fourth round. Lost in the second round. At, we're talking about the French. Not round. here. Not here. Just overall at a slam. It's a minute, the Aussie. Yep. Uh, he's made 12 straight French Open quarterfinals. And then you look at Nadal. Nadal's 105 and three here. Yeah. With Insane. Two, yes. two of those losses are also in this quarter. Yep. Soderling is one, and then Djokovic are the other two. He's won 13 of the last 16, or 13 of 16 in his career, French Opens that he didn't withdraw from. He withdrew with an injury from one. So you look and you say, is there any way in the world? I mean, maybe the answer is okay. If Nadal isn't fit, um, that we don't get a Djokovic Nadal quarter. You look at, okay, can Dimitrov beat Djokovic? He did beat him once on clay back in 2013 on his best day. He's still scary, but he's not the same as his best day. He can take a set off Novak these days and, and his best day in Novak's like a bad day for Novak. He'll take a set. Schwartzman, who's in also in Djokovic's top half, he took Djokovic five at the 2017 French Open. That might be. Is he someone that can potentially upset Djokovic? He's a guy that I wouldn't be surprised to see in a fourth or fifth set against Novak when they if they do play. So, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be trouble in that match if anything else. And then on the bottom half, Nadal, who has fitness questions, he lost to Alcaraz at Madrid, and he was also tested versus Goffin there. I mean, he barely pulled that out. Uh, they lost to Chapo in Rome. How fit is he is the question. The two biggest names that flash right up when you look at his part of the draw in this quarter are Fonini and Vavrinka, who are shells of, of their prior selves. But on their best day, I don't know. I mean, Fonini has four wins over Nadal. Vavrinka has three wins over Nadal. They've both beaten him on clay. The problem is they're not on great form, and they're not really who we once remember them as. But is there? Is it just come down to Nadal's fitness? If he's fit, he's going to the quarters here. Yeah, and I think even if he's not that fit, he's going to the quarters here. 
I mean, Tomo and the Thompson in the first round is like, that's good. He'll, he'll be on court for about an hour and 10 that match. So he'll be off court quick in that one. I can't, if Stan gets through Mute, it's going to be tough in Paris. Um, what's the best thing we see? Stan's not, Stan didn't take a set off Rafa in a final. He's not going to take a set, you know, when he was playing good tennis, where he's coming back to form here. So no concern that those are the first two matches. Fonia. Stan, has- Stan would eat three. I, I would give Stan a better shot if this is like three sets. Best of three. Yeah. I, I don't see Stan even taking a set. But even so, these are the things that, that, that accumulate or in a good way for Nadal going deep in tournaments. These ones where he gets through the first two matches where he's on court for an hour each match or whatever it is, straight sets. Um, and I see that for him in this, in, with, with the field he's got here. Botik van de Zandschulp, I mean, I don't see him troubling Rafa. FAA? How about FAA? So he's the wild card. I really wasn't – I didn't rate his game on, on clay heading into this year, even midway through the clay season. The last few events, he's, specifically that Novak match, he, he's found something. And the thing with him is that, like, you got – when you look at him, you have to really, like, take his game as, like, one of the top five servers in all of tennis. He has that type of first serve. If he gets his first serve down with any regularity, he can take the racket out of the opponent's hand, and he's doing that on clay. He's there athletically. He can return well. He rallies well. The variety is a bit eh for me. Point construction is the, the main thing to be desired with him. But Nadal would be a heavy favorite against him in, in a fourth round. You know what I mean? So, and the I interesting thing is I saw I – saw, and when we're, we're saying FAA, we're talking about Alyssa, the Canadian tennis player. He, he was 65-1, to one, and I recently saw him updated with updated odds of 40-1. to one. So his odds have come down. He's taken some money despite being in the same quarter as Djokovic and Nadal. Now, from a futures perspective, right, you have Nadal plus 350, Djokovic plus 190 overall. You were telling me earlier today when we spoke that you like the fact that Nadal's in a tough quarter. You like the fact that he has to go through Djokovic in the quarters, right, because you don't want him to be as worn down when he has to then face Djokovic six matches in right it's not that i was happy that nadal was playing in a in a hard quarter it's that he's playing in the quarter with novak because the way i see it and i touched on it earlier i see three guys with a legitimate chance to win this tournament alcaraz novak and nadal so that ignoring alcaraz for a second nadal pretty much knows he's gonna have to go through novak at some point be it a semi be it a final whenever it is he's probably gonna have to beat novak he has to at least be preparing for that mentally. So if that's the, the, the test at hand and we're worried about Nadal's chronic uh, injury, it's not like he's needs, you know, he's going to get more fit as the tournament goes. He needs to get, you know, he's going to recover early and he'll be better for the week too. It's not how it is. He's got some days he'll be able to push through it. Some days he won't, we don't really know. So for me, less mileage on the feet, on the legs, everything. Give me Novak, if I'm a Nadal fan, which I am, as early as possible. I, if I could, and I, the main goal is to win the tournament, give me him in the second, third round if I'm, if I'm on form already. Because you're going to have to beat him at any point, at some point. So might as well do it while you're at your best. If we're concerned that Nadal is going to fade level-wise going deep in the tournament. Yeah, that's just the, it's the big mystery with Nadal. And look, we can't say that we know that Djokovic is in tip-top peak form. Now, look, when he we saw him against Fokina in a loss, right? He he wore down in the third set, right? And then you have, oh, you're like, oh, wow, Djokovic doesn't really have a shot at this French Open. And then he picked up his form. And then the last we saw him was in Rome, which he won without dropping a set, looked a lot better. But, you know, these are best of five. Do we know that Djokovic is... So the questions with both of them, is, say that both like actually find their form and they don't have fitness... Issues, what you've seen of them of late and fitness isn't a concern. If these two met in the quarter, I know you're probably going to say Nadal, but what is your, what is your distinguishing factor there? So hang on there. First of all, I don't know how Novak does this. It almost, it, it not, doesn't almost, it does bother me. Um, the way that he's able Djokovic bothering you is shocker. He fools me every year because he'll, he'll have a stinker tournament where he'll look awful. And I watch all these matches the whole match and I'll be like, there's no way this guy I'm watching now is going to turn this thing around in a month or in a few weeks, whatever it is. And then he does this shit every single year. It takes one or two tournaments, one tournament where he's like meh, and then a second tournament where he plays into his top form. We can't – Novak is entering this tournament, as always, on pretty close to peak form. 
I think he was pretty much untested throughout Rome. So like, it's hard to say he's not on peak form after winning a clay masters. So it's scary that he's able to do this, but now coming back to your question, all is fine and well, we'll assume he's on near peak form. Let's say Novak has a cru- cruises to the quarterfinal and Nadal does too. What do you, I, I, I answer you with another question. What do you see that line being? I, I can't. Uh, well, Nadal would be a favorite. That you'd assuming, be the favorite. Thank you. Yeah. Well, assuming that like he, assuming that he didn't like look a little hampered. Right. Okay. So like if he was, if he was grinding out wins, mm-hmm. right. And say like he didn't look himself early and then pulls out like a five set. By the way, this we're, we're going to have tiebreaker, final set tiebreaker to 10, right? That now every single major will have that. Oh, they standardized it? Yep. Going I forward. That. I hate that. Um, but say he beats like FAA in the fourth round in like a fifth set five, breaker. Five sets. Um, yeah. And then Djokovic just hasn't dropped a set. Then I could see Djokovic being a favor. But if Nadal looks healthy, and is rolling through, it's Nadal at the French Open. He's probably going to favorite there. What's priced in the line is just there's more uncertainty with Nadal and his fitness, yeah. which is the difference there. I Look, I'm staying far away from any futures on either of them. That's interesting. Given the uncertainty on the quarters, are you going to be – you think that there's value in Nadal plus 350? As lo- Every time he puts his name in the draw, I'll bet him until until it's no longer in there. He, the man, that, it's been the most the safest bet, literally. Of I've I've come to know in this life. So as a tip of the cap, yeah, I'll be on the doll, especially at that number. I, I'm not sure if I saw it pre post draw rather, but it's still around what plus 300, 290. Yeah, and you're you it, some plus 350 maybe the, out there. So 350 is an even better number, and we've already established that if you're confident as a gambler that he'll get through names that he should beat in comprehensive fashion in these early rounds, you will get a position to hedge if you do that sort of thing with Novak most likely as a dog in the quarterfinal. You're, you're getting a guy at plus 300 for the tournament who will likely be favored over the number world number one in the quarterfinal. So we're talking about value. Nadal, he's a guy that you're used to seeing minus 150, up to minus 250 priced before the French Open. So to see that flipped with, the plus two, with a plus and a two, I'm on that. I'll probably take a stab on both the Spaniards in typical Scotty fashion. I really see it being one of those three. So give me the two that are priced higher, not the one that's the favorite. All right. Well, that brings us to the other quarter in the top half. And quarter. you have the red hot. Yeah, this is Vera quarter, but it's really Carlos. Quarter. Yeah. It's the Carlos quarter. Who's red hot. I mean, he, if you haven't seen him, maybe it's, there's some people that are listening like, Hey, it's the French open. It's a slam. I want to bet it. I'm listening to this podcast. Um, you might not have seen if you're more casual Alcaraz play. How would you describe his game? And he, look, he's 19 years old. He has beat the biggest names and the best players in the game this year. He's won a couple tournaments. The biggest question is, is he ready, right? He was playing qualifying in the French Open last year. And now he's almost the odds on favorite. He won Madrid. He won Miami this year. I mean, he's, but he's never played in a major semi. So like we, we talked about this the other week. Does he have to, get to like a final or get to, and this is best of fives. It's a little different. Does he have to get there, get the taste, you know, lose to like say on the doll in the semi. And then before he takes that next step, it, or is he, he could, maybe he's going to be like, well, all these next geners who can't win. And we know we're not, we don't count the U S open win when no one was there for team. Um, but is Alcaraz ready? Also describe a little bit of his game and why he's so good, uh, especially on clay. Yes, yeah, so Alcaraz, his game is just fire. That's like the only way to explain it. He's crazy explosive. He's like, the, the, the best way to explain this to a casual fan, hopefully not too casual, enough to know um, the references, but he's got Novak's defensive skills and speed on the baseline, you know, going back and forth. He has Nadal's bravery, his mentality, and his, his variety with the with the, the drop shots in big moments and he has but but nadal obviously a consummate counterpuncher for a lot of his career federer he's got the federer front foot nature with his offensive game just attack 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 so he can attack like federer have the intangibles and the mental of nadal and the defensive and athleticism of novak all in one player and he's 19 
and I've never seen the kid sweat. He's an alien. He literally is an alien. I've never seen this kid's a teenager in, in big, 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 the biggest tennis matches. And I've never seen the kid sweat. He pulls out a drop shot, typically a forehand drop shot, um, only when he needs to in the biggest moments in match, be it a, a big second set tie break or something like that late in the match, very a la Nadal. I've never seen him miss one, not one. And I have like a weird ass memory with this type of shit. Like I remember, especially when I'm betting matches, like, ah, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, he's bound to miss that next time. He has never come up short. The kid is an alien. So is he ready for a well, slam? This, this is a bold, that was a bold stand. I mean, he's this of, this of Federer, not- this of, this is, it reminds me of the David Montgomery, the running back who uh, went to Iowa State. Did you ever see Montgomery. that meme? Where it's feet, feet of Saquon Barkley, vision of Lev Bell, strength of Zeke, and athleticism of Sony. No, Michelle. that ain't this. But, that ain't this. All right, so number one, answer the question. Do you think he's ready? Yeah, yeah. I would say most most players, most players would need to get the taste before they can break through. He's different. You got to look at him as in the mold of like a Nadal who won a 20 or, or a Djokovic who had great success early. He's a different type of, he's a different type of talent. You can't. He's in a different strata as these next-gen guys. You know what's wild? Dominic Team has never won a Masters on clay. I don't think he's even made a final of a Masters on clay. Alcaraz has two Masters tournament wins in the past, like, three months. So that whole next-gen, that entire generation, the next-gen-gen, there was a lot of talk and a lot of uh, peekaboo breakthroughs and no sustained success. Alcaraz is, has been dominant the past like two years. I mean, two months rather. Dominant, unplayable, unplayable in semifinals, unplayable. So, yeah, you can't. He, he's in a league of his own right now. We can't compare him to a generation. You got to compare future generations to how they match up to him. Well, if you look at the, if you break down this quarter, Zverev has a pretty easy top half of this quarter. I mean, you got Fokina. I, I don't I can't see Fokina beating Zverev unless Zverev is just double faulting all over the place. The other the other seeds in his his half of this quarter are, are Isner and Fritz. It's always nice when you're getting the seeded Americans on a <laughs> at a clay slam. So I think Zverev gets to the quarters here. He's been actually pretty consistent at slams over the past yeah. couple of years. He made the semis last year here. He's made the fourth round in nine straight. Uh, slams and he's made the quarterfinal in five of the last eight, the semis in four of the last eight. So I see him getting to the quarters. I see him getting to face Alcaraz, but before we get to that potential match, you know, Alcaraz has a couple maybe landmines. He has Nori, who took him three in Madrid. Corda actually was the last loss that Alcaraz had in was, Monte Carlo. Was, yes. Corda beat him there. You have Hatchinoff and you have Team. I don't. I think Team. Look, Team is zero and five this year, all on clay since returning from wrist surgery, and <laughs> wrist injury that kept them out for ten months. I I don't see there's any chance that he's getting through this quarter. But you have to mention him. He's been to finals here. Any one of those names intrigue you, or is just Alcaraz on a different plane right now? Nah, different plane, and and, and not even like I, as much as I do like to give you know credit where it's due for Alcaraz. It's it's specifically the names. I'm not a Nori had a hell of a year last year. I like him on hard courts, which are a little, you know, especially like the grainy ones that, that take the spin a little bit more for him, the lefty game off the court. But I think he just will get hit. He gets hit through on the clay court for me too much. Hatchinov, the consistency isn't there. You, you touched on it. The, the only wild card here for me, and it would have to, it would require an earlier, sooner rather than later upset of Alcaraz would be your boy Corda. He's made it deep at the French before, right? Quarterfinal, I believe, or, four, or fourth yep. round. Yeah, he made a quarter. Yeah, played Nadal in it. Um, so he's got the experience here. Nobody else pretty much in this entire quarter. I, you, and also Fakina, but the serve doesn't is not strong enough for me. Yeah, well, if we do get chalk here, and it's Zverev, Alcaraz, Zverev lost 6-3, 6-1 in the Madrid final. Alcaraz, did you catch that match? Is Zverev just – he's The baseline game is – yeah, he was able to just get the serve in. And um, and that was in Madrid at altitude, which is going to greatly benefit guys with big serves, like out with like uh, Zverev. So if, if Sasha ever had a chance to, to you know, in, in assert his game and play well against Alcaraz, it would have been in Madrid, um, which he's done in the past. A guy like Team, who's owned uh, Zverev on clay courts traditionally over their careers, um, Sasha always got the best of him in Madrid. So to see Alcaraz... <laughs> come into Sasha's kind of 
uh, best court, so to speak, and Merkham. I mean, that was a, like an hour-long match. It was on and off in a gif. He was able to get the return back on Sasha's serves, and as soon as it got into a, an extended baseline rally, I mean, it was Carlos just ruthless hitting, brutal hitting, left to right, you know, ending points up at the net. It was just a, an onslaught. So I, I, I wouldn't be quick to be backing Sasha or the prospect of Sasha here. Yeah, one thing to keep in mind, you mentioned heavy conditions and altitude. French Open conditions can change daily based on the weather. That's always something to keep in mind. If it's like cold and rainy, then, you know, on clay, you're gonna, it's going to play a little heavier, a little slower. The ball's picking up some of the clay. If it's nice day, sunny, it's going to play a little quicker, something to keep in mind. But you're predicting – now, look, a lot of times these, these slams on the men's side, chalk does hold – over the long run. And that's because there's less variance, right? You're playing best of five sets. There's a lot more variance on the women's side where it's best of three, easier for upsets to happen. So you're predicting you're going to see the doll Djokovic and then the doll Alcaraz. I mean, that's amazing. Um, now that could work in Alcaraz's favor. The doll has to get through Djokovic in a war, right? We're talking about his fitness and then Alcaraz is sitting there um, already beat the doll this year. And, that's, pro- that's who he has to conquer. And if he wins that, then uh, I think this tournament is his. If he beats Nadal in the semis. Can I, t- can I touch on that match quick? Yeah. So with the Nadal-Alcaraz, when they played earlier this year, I know Alcaraz had a slip sometime in that second set. But in my opinion, Nadal had already kind of gained momentum of the match at that point. But he had a 6-1 set against Alcaraz. And not many people have been able to, like, dominate Alcaraz in a set. So I will say that bodes well for... Rafa fans, just to be able to see that happen, because you know that once he's on Chatrier in Paris, his level's going to be a whole, you got to have that hope as an Nadal fan, that he'll be able to raise the level a lot in Paris. So we saw he was able to play his game for a bit against Alcaraz in the past. Hopefully he could do it for a longer period of time um, on Chatrier. Now is my good friend and tennis fanatic, Matt Moore. Now? On to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, just choose two or more players that you like and pick the over or under. For example, the number of points in basketball or hits in baseball or rebounds or stocks, whatever it is that you're into. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about the over-under on Sleeper is that's the only app where I can join my buddies' contest and play together. I have some real squares in my life that I'm looking forward to to taking some money off of. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash action and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash action and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Anything on the f- for first round matchups, or if you want to go like, all right, this potential second round matchup I'm salivating, or anything jump out from a uh, just a single match betting perspective? Yeah, so um, it was actually a match that was on this morning, so I had a pretty good look at it. Um, Molchan against uh, Fetty Korea. It's the match in, it's going to be the second round match for Novak, uh, the winner of that one. So, Molchan is on really, really good form. He won a, a, a ton of matches last year, mostly on clay. He's a lefty. Um, when he's playing well, he protects his serve well. A nightmare to, to rally with from the baseline because he's super quick left and right, and he gets everything back and can also hit winners, forehand and backhand. I love him. He was like, a, it was hovering around Pickham today against Korea. He straight set at him. Even if you have to pay a bit more juice, I can't see him losing uh, – in the turnaround match and it's going to get Novak in the second round. I'm not calling an upset here, but he can keep it close. I don't know if it's an alternate spread or in some shape or fashion, but I do want to go on record saying, I think Molchan will have an impressive match against Novak. I don't know how it will look. Could be wins the first set. Who knows? Keep an eye on Molchan. Yeah. Plus you could do like a plus games there. So sometimes these big underdogs, Against the top seeds, you could play them like, you know, say plus eight and a half games instead yeah. of, you know, 
money line to win, or you could bet them plus sets, say plus eight and a half games. You know, they lose six, four, six, four, six, four. Even they get straight setted, they hung around. You know, they lost by a total of six games. You would catch that bet. And it's it's pretty common for if, if any guys are new to the tennis scene for you're going to you'll be bugged out a bit because you'll see Novak typically pricing these first round matches at what stuff like minus twenty five hundred or more. Yeah, but more, more. Novak has a tendency of dropping for like first sets of grand slams. I don't have a stat handy. But it, it happens often where you'll hear him like he dropped a set to Fushevich and then, you know, in an hour, it's, uh, he's up two sets to one. But I'm not sure if I see it with Yoshi Nishioka, but Novak's susceptible early in, in, early in Grand Slam. So if you, if you are feeling like you'd want to go against him for whatever reason, do it sooner rather than later. Because once he kind of hits stride middle of a tournament towards the second week, he kind of kicks on from there. All right, let's go to the bottom half. Quarter three, you got Rude, who's... Casper, who's a clay quarter, right? And they were, he was asked recently, like, do you take offense to be called a clay quarter? He says, no, I mean, I'm, I'm really good on clay. That's my most comfortable surface. He has seven titles on tour. Six of them come on clay. Pretty easy half of his quarter, but he's never been past the third round here at the French Open in four tries. He's not in the greatest form. Like, he's, he's played well in recently, but not very recently. He's in the top half. Then you have Sitsipas. In the bottom half, he's just so consistent on clay. He made the final last year. He also made the semis at the Aussie earlier this year. I think he was the draw winner yeah. if he gets by Musetti in the first round, which is not an easy first-round matchup. The other seeds in his part of the draw, Chapo, Deminar, and your boy, Evans. I hope you don't make a, you're going to make a case that Evans <laughs> is going to get through here. But Sitsi Boss, he's just so consistent on clay. His game is made for it. Here's his losses this year. Like He lost to Djokovic in the Rome final. He lost to Zverev in the Madrid semis. He lost to Alcaraz in Barcelona quarters, and he won Monte Carlo. Like, it's hard to see him getting upset early, and he's probably – I think he comes out of this quarter. And, look, at odds of – he's 5-1. to one. I just wish I could get a little bit more on him. Can Rude break through here finally to a slam semi? Is this Sitsipas? Is there any other names in here that could make some noise? Because uh, this is definitely a wide-open quarter. I think Sitsipas overall was the draw winner. And he went from like six, seven to one down to like five to one as a result of that, you know, top half being loaded. What do you see here in quarter three? What I see here is, is a pivotal match with, with potential ripple effect. This is Shapovalov against Holger Rune. Both guys shot makers, consummate shot makers. They go for lines, flashy games. The types of guys that crowds at a grand slam will get behind and also them as players, the way they play, similar to Vavrinka's of past, they gain confidence as they go. Whoever comes out of that first round match, Chapo or Rune, has a good opportunity. The draw shapes up for them. There's a the double qualifier slot in their not too distant future potentially. And you got guys like Evo, who's not a clay quarter. He does well. He does okay in Madrid, but outside of there, you don't really worry about him. Names like Duckworth, Sarundalo, who doesn't have much Grand Slam experience at all. The, the draw opens up down there. Obviously, Sitsipas is hanging around, but if you're looking for an outsider who could potentially trouble Stefanos, I mean, if Chapo's like on form and playing well and it's the fourth round, maybe, maybe, I don't know. But like you said, I think the toughest spot for Sitsipas is likely that Musetti first match if he's playing well. It could be one-way traffic for Stefanos if Musetti's off his game, but you saw Musetti go up two sets, right, to Novak last year believe it was so he's, he's yep. capable of pulling off the upset um i i would wait and see though because you'll still probably get a good number even if musetti was to take the first set but you'll you'll probably get an idea if it'll be a tight match or not uh, early on how about your boy joe willie who hasn't won a match in forever this is his last slam uh can he pull off or a, a potential scare of rude in the first round for the french crowd you know realistically i think to beat rude you have to have like a good backhand that's that's the path forward and Sangha like doesn't have a backhand, so he's just completely shelled himself. I don't. I the last time he won a match was like eight tournaments ago against uh, Simone, I think. Um, it's been yeah. Uh, on a hard court, he was earlier. You know season. what a good bet might be? What Sangha first set like a seven six? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, like comes out fired up with the crowd. His last hurrah, he gets to a breaker. Maybe a little sentimental bet. So ultimately. Do you have Steph coming out of here? 
Yeah, if I had to go down the record, there are a few players who like trouble Steph, and they're not in this quarter. So, I would agree. Um, and then in the fourth, the fourth quarter, this is pro- probably the wide, most wide open one. When I was getting the draw, I wrote down Q four, and I was just naming the quarters, like you know, the top seed, like, hey, this is the this player's quarter. This I wrote this is the what the fuck quarter. <laughs> so you have Rublev in the top half of this quarter. The other seeds are are Paul. Basosvili and Sinner. Sinner is the, the most in, the intriguing name in this quarter. Look, Rubab made the quarters here in 2020. He's got a big game. I think our beef with him is he doesn't really adjust, which is like kind of limits his ceiling against the top tier players, uh, especially in like a, a five setter. But in the, we'll, we'll get to him. In the bottom half, you have Medvedev, who's in no form whatsoever. He doesn't like Clay, and he's the things he's saying going into the tournament are not very promising. And, you know, he lost to Gasquet in Geneva after returning from hernia surgery, which is not fully fit right now. He also has, hasn't had much success here. He did get to the quarters last year, but before that, he lost in the first round he got, yeah, he every other a, year that he's been here. He didn't have a win prior to last year. Yeah. Um, Rublev is not in great form either. Like, not like this. He's not, you're not looking at his game right now and being like, wow. But he did beat Djokovic for the Belgrade title. So I'm not sure what to make of this, this quarter. It's, you know, Sinner made the quarters here in 2020. What do you make of his game? And what, what is his best surface? What is his ceiling? Sometimes he looks so good. I mean, that the, the tools are there. Can Sinner come out of this? I mean, because it just looks like this is a very vulnerable. Or, or you got Ke- Kekmanovic. Yeah, so, so speaking on Sinner first, Sinner, for me, Sinner is susceptible and vulnerable against pushers, of course, and guys that rally stamina, high rally stamina or rally tolerance, whatever you want to call it. Um, that part of his, like, even Al, you look at a guy like Alcaraz, he could, I feel like he can rally for days, whereas a guy like Sinner, um, if he's not really imposing his game, after a while, I have a feeling he's going to error out. The good thing about his quarter here is that the main threat, honestly, you remove Medvedev and, and you look to Rublev, he's played well against him the last two matches, I think it is. He's able to out-hit and outlast in rallies because Rublev is a, a slightly more impatient player. So if Sinner goes out early, I kind of look to Rublev or Kasmanovic. But if Sinner, if it gets to Sinner and Rublev playing each other, I do like Sinner to get out of this quarter. But Kasmanovic um, is right there too. Is right there. He probably has the most value from a betting perspective. 100%. In, in terms of value, 100%. Yeah, to win this quarter, or if you want to take a flyer on the future and then maybe hedge later. But I think maybe looking at him from a quarter perspective, which, by the way, with Sinner, which two-part question, which surface do you prefer him on? And then is he winning slams in his career? Like, what is his ceiling? What is holding him back? He's still really young. He's still really young. But I think I think his best surface is like a slow, hard court, maybe indoor hard, um, or like a U.S. Open type. That U.S. Open of a few years ago. It's playing really quick lately, but slow, hard court. And is he winning slams in his career? Yeah, yeah, I think he'll win slams. I think his I, he he. If you watched him when he was playing challengers and super young, because I've been watching him since he was like seventeen. When he was seventeen, I had my doubts about just period him being a success on the tour. His game has come so much in the past two years, and then in a year. So I, I trust that he's got the, the the right team around him, and he's got a really good team. And you know, people like Sharapova take interest in him. So he's got a, he's surrounded himself by good players and good people. So I expect him to keep going upward in his game. All right. Bottom half of the draw, anything stick out from a matchup perspective? Maybe not first round, but let's say uh, Medvedev gets through Bagnus and Jetta gets through Barankis. That's all, all systems go on Jetta against Medvedev. Um, if you remember, if you were able to catch some of those Novak, uh, Return matches, they played a really tight match. Jetta had Novak up against the ropes not too long ago in Belgrade. Um, good player, solid player. Backs up his serve. Backhand is strong. Huge forehand. Returns well. So I like Jetta in a potential second round match against Medvedev. All right, wrapping up the men's side then, give me your futures that you think or you have bet and then your prediction. I'm going to say the only bet that I know that I'm going to make so far is I'm going to hunt for a good number on Boss. I just think with his – that quarter, he's so consistent on clay. There's questions with – all the other guys are going to be fighting each other in that top half. 
I wanted a little better than five to one, but he's who I'm looking at from a futures perspective. And I'm going to take a shot on Kekmanovic to win the yeah. quarter. And then my prediction, I'm going to say Alcaraz beats the winner of Djokovic and Dalla after a war and then loses to Tsitsipas in the final. So that's my prediction. How about you? Prediction and futures. We know that you're probably going to say Nadal's going to win it. Oh, no. Nadal's the future. No, it's uh, more ironic than that. Um, I actually have my only, like, bet that I'll serve up is Ketsmanovich to win that that quarter. I think there's a shit ton of value there. I actually have Carlitos beating Nadal and then beating Tsitsipas in the final. So same final. I see it the different way. I... I've seen this similar spot with Carlos. I literally watched him beat Nadal and Novak in back-to-back days and somehow look better on the third day. He's an alien. Beating Nadal, though, at the French in your first semi, backing that up, uh, that's... He's an alien. He's an alien. Um, But you're still taking Nadal, you said, at plus 350, right? You just have to out of principle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to take both. Yeah, Kekmanovic, I think, for that quarter, I think is a really good bet. All right, there you have it. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, I'll throw some. I'll try to find a good number, but I'll throw someone to Pass to to win it. He'll be my horse here. All right, let's let's quickly touch on the women's side. The women's side. Look, there's no Serena here. Um, looks like some of the old French Opens, where you have Igis Fantek, who's unstoppable right now. That uh, she's won 28 straight matches on tour. I think the record is Serena, like in the mid 30s, back in like 2000. She's Unstoppable. This is Clay's also her best surface. She was minus 200 recently, minus 200 to win. She's now down. I've seen her like minus 110, minus 120. So she's basically just like even money, a little, maybe a little favored over the field. Value of, then you have half, value of a lifetime. Well, here, here's the, here's the thing. Now she's won 28 matches in a row and she's looked dominant in most. Her quarter has some potential landmines. Now, Iga's playing so well that I think the only way that you're going to beat her, now you got to remember, it's still three sets, right? Like you come out and you're just like a little off. Someone takes the first set and then nerves. It's why there's, yeah, there's nerves and it's why there's so much more variance on the women's side. I mean, you have Prejikova who won it here. You've seen, you've seen wild cards win women's slams. You've seen Ostapenko. I mean, you've seen qualifiers. Yeah, Ostapenko and Ostapenko won it. There's women's side, there's a lot more variance because it's three sets. And you just don't have as dominant serving usually. Look, so Halep's 10 to 1, but Halep has questions, right? She said that she's, you know, she, how fit is she? You know, you have people like, just a lot of the, the big name, Mukaruthos, you know, the back injury is not in good form. But you have Halep is 10 to 1, Krejcikova is 14 to 1, Bedosa, I haven't liked how she's looked recently, but she's 17 to 1. Osaka, who I've never really fancy on clay. I don't think she's ever been past the third round at the French Open. It's just she's going to get to almost every final in the hardcore when she's on form. She's twenty to one. Jabor is probably the second most interesting name, and in she's thirteen to one. She's looked phenomenal. Um, you know, Ash Barty retired as the number one. She kind of gives Ash Barty vibes with her variety yeah. and the confidence and and power. She also is hitting with a lot of power and, and confidence now. She's looked great. Sakari. 16 to 1, Mukaruta 20 to 1, Sabalenka, who look, is just, she's lost her spot check when she gets the finals, but when she's on her game, that power is going to play. And they have Kontovic 25 to 1, Ostapenka, who's 27 to 1. I mean, when she's on her game going for lines, who knows, but she's in horrific form. Andriscu, 30 to 1, Benchich, who won Charleston. I don't generally love her game on clay, but she's playing a lot better on clay this year, 40 to 1. So it's a, it's a really, it's okay. Is anyone going to beat Iga? So you look at her quarter and all right, you got Yastremska, which might not be easy. Potential second round matchup. Samsonova is, you know, potential third round matchup. Samsonova is the last woman, I believe, to take a set off Iga on clay. And that third round in the third set, it went seven, five Halep. You know, if Halep finds it on clay, she's going to be tough to beat. She's there in that quarter. Ostapenka's in this quarter. Pagula is in this quarter, you know, and you got Pliskova, I don't really believe in right now, Alexandrova, but the, the top half specifically, and then especially when you, with Halep there too, there's some landmines here, which is why you've seen Iga's odds go from minus 200 down to minus 110. So I would think that you would need like, you know, Halep on her A game could maybe give Iga a run, or you need someone that is just treeing like Ostapenka, but I don't, I don't know if Ostapenka can actually get to the fourth round. 
you know, she'd have to get through Hal up to to face Iga. But is, can you Shremska tree for two sets? Um, yeah, so like that's what that's what needs to happen. And there's like enough intriguing names in this quarter that I'm not laying it, but I'm also not taking. I'm not going against Iga. I think she's playing so well that the way that I'm approaching this, you have to take one name. This is kind of this the draw here kind of mirrors the men's side, and the top half is a lot stronger than the bottom half. I think here, if you just love Iga and you've been riding her, go for it. And you just minus one ten, you say she's not going to be beat. Don't blame you. It's kind of like your stance on on Rafa. It's how well she's playing right now, and this is her best surface. But I'm taking one name in the bottom half as a long shot in the women's side, and riding with her, and that's uh, and I love the draw. But I already bet it beforehand, and that's Kasatkina, fifty five <laughs> to one. I saw some fifty to one still out there. I actually really like her draw. I mean, she's in the bottom half. She's in Bedosa's quarter. And we love, look, she she had match point against Jabor. The problem is, and that was brutal because we both better, like plus 250, close to like plus 150. We I've always loved Kasakina's game on clay. I said she's gonna win multiple French opens. She she came on tour as a young buck and was dominating, winning tournaments, and then she kind of lost her head. She had a higher psychologist. And then the, her biggest problem is her serve, right? She's, she is a pusher, a elite defender. Her tennis, her clay IQ is phenomenal. Um, and she's going to get everything back, but her serve can let her down in the biggest moments. She just doesn't, especially her second serve. I mean, she's going to lob it in at like 30 miles per hour. It's, it's ugly. If you need her to have a serve in a big moment, which petrifies me. Like I see her like in the final trying to serve out a grand <laughs> I've seen the, in that match versus Jabor, a second serve didn't it didn't make it to the net. It it bounced before the net. A second serve. You'll have to break. She'll have to break to win a slam. Yeah, I, I actually uh, literally came to that realization. She could she could she, she could never win a third set unless she was serving first and had to, and could break. Yeah. Or it gets to the breaker, and she probably have to break to get to the breaker. But I love her game on clay, and I think she's coming in really confident. And she's probably in as good a form as I've seen her in a long time. And uh, so I think at 50 to one in the bottom half in a very manageable draw, especially early on, I think she can build some momentum. She's been pretty consistent at slams lately. Like she hasn't been getting upset in like the first round. I love her draw. I love her form. I love her game. I'm obviously biased. Just, I'm just always so much higher than everyone on Kasekina. The potential is there. The serve is just like holding her back, but I think she's close, and I could see her making a deep run here. Um, you hope for chaos elsewhere. It's coming. She's going to win this one of these years, and once um, she does, then you'll she'll never be fifty fifty five to one ever again. And at that price in the bottom half, that's who I'm rolling with. What are your thoughts on the overall women's draw? Other than you, other than you're going to bet, you're going to fade Mukarutha in the first round, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah, because that's a banger spot. But um, I hate it, man. I hate that I'm being boring about this. I I think it's eager. I think it's eager, and it's not all that close. But obviously, I contradict myself because of all the spots that I'll probably end up betting, it'll be like Yastremska from a set down against um, Iga. Because that's the only way Eagle loses, in my opinion is a complete meltdown. So if that's going to happen and you want to sprinkle a little bit, it's going to happen. It could happen against Yastrzemska because she's the type of player when she's hitting the ball confidently. And this could happen in a match. She could lose the first set 1-6. Something could click in the second set. And she can take the racket out of the opponent's hands. The only one that, I mean, Iga's the most athletic player probably on the, the entire tour in terms of defending and stuff. And Yastrzemska could probably hit through her. I worry about it on this type of clay. Like we talked on earlier, she probably needs it to be like a day match where the ball will be pinging through the court and not so much one of these night kind of uh, heavy condition slogs on center court. But outside of Iga getting upset in that first round, I don't think Ostapenko is going to be there in the fourth round. I don't think Halep stylistically will, will trouble Sviantek. So it's Iga for me. I'll, I'll be on Iga. Take a look at the bottom half. You're not going to join me on Dasha at 55 to 1? She can't... Dude, How about I, the winner quarter? She can't serve out matches. How about the winner quarter? That's still five matches. J- throw out a name in the bottom half then. Is Jabor down there? Yeah, you have Jabor. So in Jabor's quarter, not an easy quarter. Um, I mean, her top half 
you have Raducanu, who's won a, a slam, but she's not in great form. She's dealing with kind of nagging injuries. Then you have the old the old guard, Kvitova and Kerber, the other seeds. <laughs> so that's on the, in the top half of that draw. In the bottom half, you know, you got Sakari and Bencic, also Leila Fernandez, and then Anissa Mova. That's the, a loaded uh, bottom half of that quarter. Yeah, so trying to figure out who comes out of that. And then Osaka's there too. I mean, Osaka, Nisimova. I think Nisimova beats her in the first round, by the way. There might be some value there. But that's, you got Mardich there too. Um, there's some, Andriescu's also in that, in, that, in that bottom half of that quarter. This is the bottom half of this quarter, Jabor's quarter. Bencic, Andriescu, Mardich, Fernandez, Anisimova, Osaka, Sakari. Mukova, it's loaded. Um, Even some of the the deep cut names there are tough too. It's hard to see anyone beating Jabor before she gets to the quarters. Figuring out who comes out of that bottom half, though, I don't know. That's why I immediately went to... It's got to be Anna Samova's time, no? It's not going to be Sakari. Yeah, I could see Anna Samova. You also have Kontovit, her quarter, Mertens... Coco Gaffa, who we haven't mentioned. Mukaruta is just not in great form. Azarenka, your girl, Teichman. Krejcikova. Sorry, Krejcikova. That's a pretty wide open draw to me if you want to take a shot in the bottom half. I think I said before that Kasakina Bedosa's quarter is not in the same half. It's not in the same – they're not in the same quarter as they you know go. who I like in, coming out of that quarter? Sirsteya. There's, I think that's a good – I don't point. trust her. Love her on the clay. I don't trust Sorry, but all right. I think you could take a shot. Kekmanovic um, to win the quarter. Scotty is rolling with the Spaniards to win. I'm going Sitsipas. You're rolling Iga. You're saying no one's touching Iga as they haven't in the last 28 matches. I don't disagree, but I think there's value in Kasatkina. We'll have tons of content on actionnetwork.com and the Action Network app. Make sure you check that out. This is our first tennis podcast. We're going to hopefully do this more often. Give us feedback on what you liked, what you didn't. Subscribe, unsubscribe, leave a review. Five-star reviews really help us. And if you want to leave some feedback there, like what did you like? Do you want more first-round matchups? Do you want more tennis betting strategy? Uh, This is our first one. So obviously we're kind of just going off of uh, what we think you might want, but we need your feedback and that'll help us. So thank you for listening and good luck with the French Open. You can find us on Twitter throughout the tournament at Scotty Pippen. S-C-O-T-T-I-P-I-P-P-E-N and then myself at Stucky2. Thanks for listening. Good luck with your wagering. Good luck. Cheers. Cheers.